Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't we all stand? If you want to, you can gather around the front. If you don't want to, stay where you're at. Let's lift up our hands and our voices toward God. Let's start this service off with prayer today. Ask God for His touch, for His help, for His anointing. God, we love you today. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy, for your blessings, for your touch today. Thank you, God, for this opportunity that you've given us to come together to worship, to praise, to lift up and to magnify your great name, God. Lord, open up the windows of heaven in this place as we come together to worship and to praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's all praise him together right now. In Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. We worship you, God. We magnify you. Oh! 
Oh, but I'll not complain 
Lisa when she's not in church. So we want to pray for her and ask God to heal her. We want to pray for Wesley Cooper and Pat. we got to take her back to Houston tomorrow. But I believe everything's going to be all right. So, but uh, Because let me say this, church. I believe in the prayers of the First Pentecostal Church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. want to pray for Pat Hollister. Sister Y. Barbo, Brother Paul Swain, Sister Armstrong, Linda Geisendorf, and Anthony Jackson, and all that are sick, not able to be in church, because I thank God for the church. Hallelujah. Let's ask God to have his way in this service today. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. God, you have your way in this service. Thank you, because your prayer is true. Savior, Jesus, soon coming. Thank you for the 
If you'd like, if the brothers will bring the offering pen, we'll receive the offering. Glory. y'all in church, y'all home folk, but we're glad you're in church with us today. Hallelujah. 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 Brother Lucas. Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. He's worthy of all of our praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. How many is glad to be in church? 
Amen. How many is really glad to be in the house of God today? Praise God. Praise God. Looking forward to what God is going to do for us in the house of the Lord. And uh, so good to see everyone that's in church today. And uh, normally we would shake hands with everybody, but since that's deemed unsafe at this time, why don't you look across the aisle next to you, even your husband or wife, and tell them that you're glad that they're in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Let everybody know we're glad that they're here. Just look across the church and point at somebody and say, I'm glad that you're in church today. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So thankful for God's goodness and His mercy, His blessings, allowing us to come together to worship, to praise, and to magnify His name. Amen. We want to remember uh, some announcements today. We want to remember the singing coming up Wednesday night at 7.30 with the Atkins family. And uh, looking forward to that. So be inviting people to be with us Wednesday night. And uh, that is this coming Wednesday night. Brother Godair will be here with us February the 7th. Brother Johnny Godair. We are looking forward to that Sunday morning and Sunday night. And uh, also, of course, there's not too many of them in here right now. But those who work with the bus ministry, uh, Brother Brandon Uzzle will be here with us February the 28th. On, uh, we'll be doing a session on on uh, Saturday night, and then he'll be preaching that Sunday morning and Sunday night. And uh, so remember those announcements, and we want to pray especially for Brother Glover today. I talked with him this week, and um, I, I think about people. Uh, I tell you what, just be seated just a moment. I might take a little while. But... Um, I think about people that look for every excuse to stay out of the house of God. And, uh, of course, he's in a nursing home, and they've got those locked down at this time. And uh, he hasn't been able to be in church since, I think it was March, sometime around the 1st of March when he was in church the last time. And uh, he was telling me on the phone that he's backslid because he hadn't been in church. And I said, well, Brother Glover, it's not by choice. I said, now, if it was by choice, I would agree with you that you're backslid for missing that much church. I said, but some things are not by choice. And he got to crying on the phone. He said, I got a whole stack of cards. I ain't nowhere to pass them out in this place. And uh, he said, I stand at the window. He said, I, I stand at the door and look out and said, I'm threatened to leave a few times. He said, if I could just get to Walmart parking lot where I could pass out some cards. And uh, that just breaks my heart today to know that there's people that has that much a desire and a hunger to be in the house of God and do a work for God. And then there's so many that looks for an opportunity not to do anything for God. Amen. So we want to pray for those who are in the nursing facilities. It's been a very, you know how difficult the past uh, year has been for us. Just imagine for them and uh, what they're going through and what they're facing. So let's pray for them. We want to pray especially for Sister Y. Barbo. She is very sick, needs a touch from the Lord. Sister Armstrong needs a miracle from God. And uh, let's pray for her. Also, Sister Sheila Jackson's mother. They have been with her the last few weeks. And let's ask God to work in that situation and help and strengthen that family today, we want to pray especially for the Blakely family. 
uh, Robert Blakely, which is my first cousin, the brother to Brother Blakely that was just here a few weeks ago and uh, has got COVID and they put him in the hospital, put him on a ventilator and they called the family today and told them that they need to make a decision to move forward at this point and uh, don't give him any hope, but we know a God that is a miracle worker and there is nothing too hard for God. Amen. There is nothing too hard for God. There is absolutely nothing that is too hard for God. Amen. We believe that God is still our healer. He's still our provider. He's still our protector. And thank God He is truly our soon-coming King. How many is looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ today? Amen. Amen. It is a privilege and an honor to have uh, Brother and Sister Parks here with us today. And uh, I don't know, uh, I think he was here at a youth rally one time. And uh, Sister Lakin has been here uh, in her previous life. But uh, so glad that they're here with us today. I come in and I seen, I seen Mickey getting out of the car. And I walked up and I said, I hope your pastor knows where you're at today. And uh, I'm glad that Brother, Brother Cooper didn't do any proselyting because this is his pastor's daughter and son-in-law. So <laughs> we want to be very, very careful. But um, so I said, if you haven't texted him, you better text him. I said, because your, your pastor's daughter is going to be here today. But we're glad that they're here looking forward to the word of the Lord be preaching for us this morning and again tonight. And uh, maybe, I don't know, uh, he's newly wed. And uh, I don't know if he could talk his wife into singing or singing tonight or whatever they want to do. But we're going to turn this service to him, want him to obey the Lord. And uh, we, don't have, we don't have a lot of time to decide if we, we like him or we like his style or, or whatever. But, uh, so why don't we just go ahead and have church today? How many come ready to have church today? Amen. Let's all stand. Let's praise the Lord together. And worship God and let's help Brother Parks preach today. Lord bless you. Amen. Why don't we lift our voice all across this house this morning? Come on, why don't we lift up our voice and give the King of Kings and Lord of Lords some great praise? Come on, He's truly worthy. He's truly worthy. Hallelujah, Lord. We praise you today, great God. We magnify you. Come on, why don't we put our hands together now all across the building this morning. Oh, we magnify you, great Jesus. We bless that wonderful name. Man, there may be a lot of people that can find any excuse to not come to the house of God and Miss out on our opportunity to be in service at the house of God. But I believe I'm looking at a bunch of people this morning that were glad when someone told them to come into the house of the Lord. Amen. Is there anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning? Hey, let me tell you. I was glad when someone told me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because I knew what I would find when I got here. Amen. In a world of corruption, chaos, sin, wickedness, and evil. I'm so glad that there's still a place we can come into and find peace, 
find joy, find strength, uh, find a sweet presence of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Come on, aren't you glad that you're in a safe place this morning? Aren't you glad that you're in a place where miracles, signs, and wonders uh, can happen? Oh, come on, if you're glad, you ought to put your hands together one more time. You ought to give the great king a hand clap of praise that he's deserving and worthy of. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Genesis chapter 8? I'm going to begin reading at verse number 1, read to verse number 4. And as you're turning in your Bibles, I want to take this time and give your pastor and your pastoral family honor. I know you know this, but I just want to remind you this morning that you are tremendously blessed with the leadership that you have at this church. Amen. Amen. You are tremendously blessed, and I give them honor and thank them for the opportunity to be standing behind this sacred desk this morning to deliver the word. I know that there are many, including definitely your pastor, that could do a much better job. But I'm I'm humbled and grateful to be here today to deliver the word of God to you fine saints of God. Amen. Genesis chapter 8, going to begin reading at verse number 1, going to read to verse number 4. The Bible says, And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters returned from off the earth continually, and at the end of 150 days the waters were abated. The ark rested on the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. And I want to take my subject this morning from verse number one. The Bible says, and God remembered Noah and God remembered Noah. I want to preach to you just for the next little bit. I'm not going to take much of your time this morning from this subject. When God remembers, when God remembers, would you set your Bibles down one more time all across the house? Would you lift your hands and your voices? Would you ask the Lord that he would come and fall in this house this morning? God, we need you. Lord, I'm a frail, feeble man without you. I need your help and your strength this morning. God, I pray that you allow your spirit to move. God, if you don't show up, we're just gathering here and going through motions. More than anything else this morning, we need your presence to move in a mighty way, God. I pray you allow your spirit to saturate us, overflow in us this morning. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, would you clap your hands and give the Lord a great big shout of praise. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. When God remembers, when God remembers. My title this morning insinuates an age-old question most commonly asked by those who are going through trying times and looking for the hand of God in their situation. That question is, Does God forget? Does God forget? Because after all, if He has to remember something, doesn't that mean that He must have forgotten? 
And I can assume this morning that everybody under the sound of my voice has at one point or another felt like God has forgotten about them. And if you have it, I'm sure that 2020 did a very good job of making you feel that way. Going through it seems like a trying circumstance and you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And it feels like in the storms of life, in the chaotic seasons of life, God is silent and has seemed to forgotten about you. But my question this morning is that How can a God who knows all things forget something? Because David, he would elaborate in Psalms 139 and tell us about the omniscience, the omnipresence, and the omnipotence of our God. Meaning that He knows all things. He is present everywhere. And He has all power in His hands. Is there anybody thankful that you serve a God like that this morning? Amen. A God that knows where you are, a God that knows what you're going through, and a God that has power to make a difference in your life. Aren't you thankful that you serve a God like that? Man. To further my case this morning for not, for God not forgetting, in Psalms 147 and 5 and 1 John 3.20, the Bible would talk about God's infinite understanding. And is all knowing power by saying in Psalms 147 and 5, Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. And in 1 John 3.20 the Bible would say, For if our heart condemneth us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. Everybody shout all things. And in Job's terrible situation in life, he had lost majority of his family. All his earthly vessels and earthly possessions have been corrupted and, and, and had been messed up and taken away from him. And Job uh, seems to feel like God has forgotten about him. The Bible says that he looked in front of him. He looked to the sides of him. He looked behind him and he could not perceive him. Job was feeling like God had forsaken him. And God had left him and, and left him in this situation in dire need and forgotten about him. But his friend Elihu would come onto the scene and he would remind Job of God's perfect knowledge. He would tell Job in Job 37, 16, Dost thou know the balancing of the clouds and the wondrous works of him which is perfect in knowledge? He knows all things, Job. He knows exactly what you're going through and exactly what you need. To top it all off, in Hebrews 4.13, Paul would tell us that God sees all things, uh, even the hidden things. He would say, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things, everybody shout all things, are naked and open into the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I don't know about you, but to me this morning it seems pretty clear that God does not forget Man. But then most people would turn the conversation to our sins. Would then point out our sins. They would say, doesn't God not only forgive, but forget our sins? They would use scriptures like Isaiah 43, 25 that say, I even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. 
It would say Hebrews 8 and 12 that says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. They would say that, yes, God not only forgives but forgets our sins because the Scripture says that He will not remember them. He will not remember them. But this morning we must understand that not remembering or forgetting may be may be the same thing to mankind, but it is not the same to God Almighty. Whenever the Bible refers to God remembering, it has nothing to do with poor memory or forgetting because the Scripture has already told us uh, that He's all-knowing, He's all-powerful, and He's all-present. So instead, when the Bible says that God remembers, uh, it simply means that God has decided uh, to act on a situation that He's been silent on. You see, passages in Holy Writ uh, that say God remembers are always uh, followed by proofs that God uh, never forgets. And if you would allow me, I just want to take some time uh, this morning and remind somebody that walked through those doors, uh, maybe going through a situation uh, that you feel like God has forgotten about you uh, and God has forsaken you uh, and let you know that you serve a God uh, that will never leave you, uh, never forsake you, but He will go with you to the ends of the earth. Come on, I know the situation might seem too big, and it might seem like He's been silent, but you need to have confidence this morning that you serve a God that is faithful. You serve a God that is faithful. And when it comes time for Him to remember you, uh, to act in your situation, uh, He steps onto the scene. uh, And when you've been sick uh, with something the doctor said is incurable, He comes onto the scene uh, and He does what only He can do. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I serve a God like that this morning. Uh, Amen. A God that has power over every situation, uh, over every sickness. He comes on to the scene and does what only He can do. So we know that when God forgets, or as Scripture says, when God chooses to not remember our sins. It means that He will not act upon them. It doesn't mean that He's forgetting completely and throwing them out. And It just means that he, he will not act upon them. He will not hold them against us. He will not pour out His wrath and judgment upon us. Why? Because He has already paid the price for our sins when He shed His precious blood uh, on Calvary. Uh, so anytime you get down on your knees uh, and you begin to repent of your sins uh, and that precious blood begins to flow uh, and cover your sins, uh, God looks down from the throne room of heaven uh, and He looks and He says, the price has already been paid. Uh, I don't have to respond in judgment. Uh, I don't have to respond in wrath. Why? Because there's power in the blood. Come on, is there any blood-bought believers in the house this morning that says, I'm thankful for the blood? 
just want to remind somebody this morning, uh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. There's no sin too big uh, that my God's blood can't cover. There's no sickness uh, too big uh, that the blood can't hit. Come on, let's just worship Him for a little bit. Come on, let's just praise Him for the blood that He shed on count. Come on, that ought to make something rise up on the inside of you. Uh, Some thankfulness, uh, some gratefulness uh, that says, God, thank you. uh." (laughs) Understanding now that when the Bible tells us, that God remembers does not mean that God forgot, but rather He has now decided to act on a situation. I want us to look again at our text this morning, Genesis chapter 8, the story of Noah. The story of Noah is a very similar and very parallel to the life a child of God who has entered into a relationship and a walk with God. The Bible tells us that the world around Noah was wicked and evil. It's becoming more and more corrupt through every day that passed. Genesis 6 lets us in on, on the world and the details of what was happening. But Genesis 6 and 9, the Bible says that Noah walked with God in the midst of a corrupt, evil, and wicked world. Noah maintained his walk with God. Noah decided, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't allow the outside influences, the outside corruptions and iniquities and and evil and wickedness of the day to infiltrate his home or his family, but he decided... I will continue walking with God. The Bible says, it lets us know that as Noah was walking with God, that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Found grace in the eyes of God. And so when judgment for the sin of the world was to come, because Noah had found grace in the eyes of God, Noah also got a plan that would save him from that judgment. Man, I know you've heard this many times before, but please allow me to remind you this morning that it wasn't the grace that saved Noah. Amen. There's a lot of people today that think you're just going to make it off of grace and grace alone. But the Bible says that he found grace in the eyes of God. You know what that grace was? That grace was the opportunity that he didn't deserve to be obedient to the plan of God. And it was the plan that was going to save him. 
And so Noah, he took the opportunity that he didn't deserve from grace to be saved. And he was obedient to the plan that God gave him. And he built the ark. And can I tell you this morning, it's the same for you and I today. God has given us grace that we don't deserve. But it's not by grace and grace alone. God has given us a plan. And if we're going to make it, we've got to be obedient. Obedient to the plan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the plan has not changed. You must repent. You must be baptized in Jesus' name. And you must have the Holy Ghost. Come on, it's the only way. If you're going to make it to heaven, you've got to repent. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And you must have the gift of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues. Aren't you thankful for the plan this morning? Oh, come on, let's clap our hands just a little louder. Let's lift up our voice in thanksgiving just a little louder. God gave Noah that plan. And you know what? The Bible lets us know that that plan wasn't broad. There wasn't many different ways to be obedient to that plan, but he gave Noah specific instructions in that plan. He said, Noah, I want, I want this to be this height and that to be that wide, and, and I even want you to make it out of gopher wood and not some other kind of wood. He said, there's a specific plan that you have to be obedient to. And can I tell you, there's a specific plan. There's not another way. There's not just a, you can take this and leave that. But God gave us a specific plan. And if we're going to make it, we've got to be obedient to the whole plan of salvation. God gave Noah a specific plan. But you know something that is unique in that plan that you can kind of just glance over and not think about is that in that specific detailed plan, God told Noah to put a window on that ark. And God told Noah to put a door on that ark. But you see, the window, the window could be handled by Noah. Noah could use the window. But only the door God controlled and used. You know what that tells me? That tells me that the times and the seasons uh, that Noah was going to go through were in the hands of God. 
It was God that placed them in that season. And it was God that was going to get them out of that season. And you know how that con- that, that goes with our lives. Is that there are some seasons. Some stormy seasons that you will go through. And you will fight tooth and nail. Trying to claw your way out of that season. In uncomfortability. And, and, and anger and regret and upset. And, and you're trying to get out of that season. But listen to me. God has placed you uh, in that season for a purpose uh, and you just need to make up your mind while I'm here I'm going to learn why God has me here while I'm here I want to grow why because when God wants me out uh, he'll bring me out Come on, I'm here to tell somebody this morning in the Holy Ghost, uh, you've been fighting, trying to get out of that season. Uh, you've been pushing and pressing uh, against the door. Uh, you need to make up your mind this morning. Uh, I'm going to learn uh, the purpose uh, for the pain that I'm going through. Uh, I'm going to learn why you have me here. Because when you want me out, God, you're going to bring me out. And you know what? Let me tell you something, saints. Let me tell you something. I'm young, but I understand that when you're going through seasons like that, it's easy to get angry and upset at God. When you're going through that season and God has his foot and his hand up against the door, and no matter how hard you push and press, you're not getting out. And it's easy for you to come to the house of God and begin to get angry. God, why have you forgotten me? Why have you left me here? Think about it. How easy it would have been for Noah to get upset and discontent in the season that he was going through. Stuck in there with all these animals. The smell and the stench of them coming to his nostrils. Uh, and he can't get out no matter what he can do. No matter how, how hard he pushes and presses. Uh, there's no escaping that season. Think about how hard that has to be. How, how angry you could get. How upset you could get. God, I've been fighting this season for a long time now. And, and God, I know that you are the one that's in control. And, and God, I want to get out. Let me tell you something else is that when you're going through that season, the enemy comes in and he starts creeping along and, and he wants to tell you that things are worse than what they are. Everything's terrible and everything's falling apart and everything's bad. But, but let me remind you, saints, uh, that God gave Noah a window. And so you know what happens when Noah would get angry and maybe a little upset uh, and maybe a little discontent with the situation uh, that he was in. All he had to do uh, was walk over to that window and look outside uh, and see the rubble and the debris floating by uh, and think to himself, uh, it's not going the best in here, uh, but at least I'm not out there. Hey, let me tell you, saints, uh, your car might be broken down, uh, and you might not have enough money to fix it, uh, but at least you're saved. Uh, At least you know truth. Your children might be lost, uh, but at least you're here. 
Come on, the devil, he wants you to feel like it's hopeless, like there's... Sometimes you have to learn uh, to shout over the little things. Uh, sometimes you have to learn uh, to thank God uh, over the small things. Hey, uh, your body might not be healed, uh, but at least you're saved. Uh, you might have not got the report you wanted, uh, but at least you're not lost. Come on, thank him. Thank him. Thank him for the small thing. Come on, church. Let's take a little time right now. Everything might not be going perfect, but we're going to thank him for the little thing. Hey, hear me. I told my wife just a little bit ago in the motel, I feel like God has sent me here this morning to give a word of encouragement and faith to somebody that's been going through a trial and a season and let you know that God is in control. Come on, that's something to shout about. God is in control. Your babies might not be saved, but God is in control. Your body might not be healed, but God is in control. The fact... That God is in control is something to praise about. Because the Bible says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let me just tell you, your plans would have fallen apart anyways. You just need to thank God and praise God that He's in control. Noah, he was going through that season where he couldn't get out. Could have got discontent, could have got upset, could have got mad. But Noah just had to look outside that window. And he could praise and worship God for the small things. Noah, he held on through that stormy season. Bible tells us that there finally came a day. Finally there came a day. After days on end going through this season. Bible says in Genesis 8 and 1, And God remembered Noah. Remember that means God is getting ready to act. God has decided to act. Let's see what He's going to do. God remembered Noah. And every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind 
to pass over the earth. That might not mean a lot to you until you understand that in Scripture, wind and spirit are usually and most always interchangeable. In other words, God looked down. He seen Noah floating in those waters and he decided to act. And when he did... He sent His Spirit to move in that situation that Noah had been going through. Let me just encourage someone this morning that comes stumbling through those doors in the toughest season of your life and remind you one more time that God is in control. And when God gets ready to act, His Spirit will move in your situation. And all of a sudden, things begin to change in just an instant. Instant situations begin to turn around because God is in control. There will be a day, Saint. Hear me today. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm telling someone in the Holy Ghost right now. There will be a day when God remembers you. uh, When God decides to act in that situation uh, that you've been going through for days on end. uh, And when He does in an instant, uh, the situation you've been battling and struggling with uh, will turn around. In an instant, uh, your body can be healed. In an instant, uh, your baby can pray through. Why? Because that's the kind of God we serve in first Samuel chapter one we see another situation that most would say is not favorable and that it's not fair first Samuel chapter one the story of Hannah the wife of Elkanah. The Bible tells us that Hannah was barren. Hannah could not be fruitful and produce life. She was barren, the Bible says, and that was a big deal in that day for a wife to not be fruitful, be able to produce life. To make matters worse for Hannah, There was this other woman named Panina, other wife of Elkanah. Bible tells us that Panina, she bore children unto Elkanah. She was fruitful. She produced life. And and the Bible lets us know that she was a thorn in the side of Hannah. Always there to provoke her. The Bible would say... In 1 Samuel 1 and 6, that she provoked Hannah to make her fret because of her barrenness. Just like the enemy, our adversary, we all have an adversary this morning. When you're going through that season, when you're struggling with that particular thing, he gets in your ear and he begins to whisper like Panina. He begins to make you fret, telling you you're worthless, that God has forgotten about you and God has forsaken you and left you on your own. Panina's whispering in the ear of Hannah. Hannah, you're worthless. Elkanah doesn't love you anymore. You're not fruitful. There's no point in living. Hannah, she's fretting. 
hurt and upset and broken so much so uh, that the Bible would say in verse 7 of 1 Samuel chapter 1 that she would go into the house of the Lord and she would weep. She would not eat. Fretting and stressed and worried over the situation she was going through with her adversary being the thorn in her side, constantly whispering in her ear, you're worthless. You might as well give up. He doesn't love you. He's forgotten about you. Like the enemy does to every child of God going through a stormy season in life. The Bible lets us know that instead of getting angry at God or anybody else, Hannah remained faithful to God in prayer. The Bible says that she prayed a prayer in 1 Samuel 1, 11. Says she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, uh, if thou wilt indeed look on the afflictions of thine handmaid uh, and remember me and forget not thine handmaiden, uh, but will give unto thy handmaid a man child, uh, then will I give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, uh, and there shall no razor come upon his head. She prayed a prayer, Lord, remember me. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 1, 19-20 that they rose up early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. You see, in a trying circumstance, in a stormy season of life, when the adversary and the enemy was whispering in her ear, Hannah remained faithful to God. Hannah believed that God was in control. And she kept praying, God, remember me. God, act on my behalf. God, help me. And there came a day that Hannah went from barren to blessed. That Hannah went from being despair, broken and hurt, to joyful and happy and thankful. I want to remind somebody, you might have walked in here broken, but you don't have to stay that way. You might have walked in here hurt, but you don't have to stay that way. You might have walked in here with your body broken, but you don't have to stay that way. You don't have to say that way uh, because God uh, is in control. Uh, and because He's in control, we know He's a miracle worker. He's a way maker. He's a pro- Come on, if you were in control, you'd have to walk out those doors the same way you came. But because God is in control, there's hope. I'm closing. Stay standing, musicians. You can come. There's hope. Everybody shout, there's hope. Because God is in control. Somebody shout that God is in control. 
You need to let yourself and the enemy hear what you're saying. And you need to believe it. Because when you start to believe it, there's a faith that rises up on the inside of you. That says, I don't have to leave the same way I came. But I could walk out healed. I could walk out renewed. I could walk out changed. Because he's in control. Come on, let's pray just a little bit. Come on, no hand clapping, just voices raised. God, we need you right now. There's some situations in here, God, that only you can fix, that only you can intervene on. We're calling on you this morning, God. We need your help. Hear me, hear me, saints. Hear me this morning. I'm closing. I can hear. I can hear it echoing in my ears this morning. The question, preacher, all that sounds good. God is in control. He's a miracle worker. That's great. God doesn't forget us. That's great. But preacher, how come it feels like God has? Come on, let's be real this morning. We've all been in situations and in places where we know what the Word says. We know we can stand on this Word uh, that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, but when we're going through that situation, you feel alone. You feel hopeless. You feel forgotten. Why do I feel like that? I don't know. I don't have the answers. But I believe the Bible gives us a pretty good explanation in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, Jesus. The Bible tells us that He rallied all His disciples together. He got all these disciples of His on the boat And He commands those disciples to pass over to the other side. They get on that boat and they're traveling over the water to the other side. The Bible says in Mark chapter 4 verse 37 that there arose a great storm of wind and the waves began to beat into the ship so that it was now full. These disciples... They're going through a stormy season. Much like some of you here today, the winds and the waves have been beating against your life. The Bible says so that the boat was almost now full. Think about it. They're at the brim. They're almost done. They're about to sink and give up and just say it's all hopeless. And I feel it in the Holy Ghost. There's somebody that's walked in here this morning. 
and you're about full and you don't know how much more you can take uh, of the season that you've been going through. Uh, but he sent this preacher to give you a word of faith uh, and let you know that he's in control. Uh, I know it looks like you're about to sink and mess up and, and destroy everything, uh, but God is in control. These disciples, these disciples that were going through this season, going through this winds and waves, tossing them to and fro. Listen what the Bible says Jesus was doing. Verse 38 says that he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. Seems like he's silent and quiet in your life. Bible says that they awake him and they said unto him, Master, carest not that we perish. Isn't that the cry of every individual that's going through a season and a storm where they feel like God has forgotten them? God, don't you care about me? Going through this season about as full as I can get. And I'm about to start to sink in God. Said God, don't you care that we're perishing? This is what Jesus tells them. He responds, verse 39 and verse 40. He arose. He rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Just an instant and just one word from the master. And that season shifted in an instant. But I want you to hear what he tells those disciples that asked him, don't you care that we're perishing? You're asleep. You're silent on us in the storm. Don't you care? He responds to them in verse 40 and he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith. You see, the reason Jesus would tell them this is because sometimes in our life, silence is the test of faith. You're going through that storm and there's nothing but silence and it feels like God has forgotten you. It's a test of your faith. And this is why Jesus would ask them, where is your faith? It's because those disciples, they were with Jesus Christ. And at just one word, the man with the palsy was healed. Just that one word and one touch, the man with the withered hand stretched forth his hand. You see, those disciples had seen and witnessed and had touch of the miraculous in their lives. But all because there was silence in the storm, they started to be weary and they started to be fearful. And they started feeling like God had forgotten them. You see, a lot of the times, it's not that God has forgotten you. It's that you have forgotten the God that you serve. You have forgotten that He made a way back then. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if He did it back then, He can do it today. 
You need to remember this morning uh, that God has done it for you before, uh, that He can do it for you again. Uh, even though it's silent, uh, even though it's quiet, uh, don't let the storm uh, take your faith. open these altars, but I want us to close our eyes and raise our hands one more time. Come on. Where's your faith at this morning? Where's your trust and confidence at this morning? Don't let the silence steal your faith. Don't let the silence make you feel like God has forgotten about you. Don't let the silence make make the, the enemy take your faith in God. But you need to remember this morning that you serve a God that's in control. I'm opening these altars right now. We ought to come with our hands lifted. And our voices raised. Say, God, you're in control. Come on. Come on. You ought to step out right now by faith. You ought to step out believing that he did it for me before. And he's going to do it again. That God has been faithful and true. And he's not going to fail me now. Come on. Come on, come on, lift up your voice right now. Come on, don't allow the adversary and the storms of life to steal your faith. Don't allow the silence to rob you of your belief. Oh, yes, come on. Come on. He's faithful. He has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. Come on. He hasn't forgotten and left you. You're not hopeless. Oh, come on. Come on, he's faithful. He's faithful. Come on, don't allow the adversary to steal your faith and to rob you of your belief that God is in control.
lift our hands and worship the Lord today. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor, God. We lift up your name. Hallelujah. Let's thank God for the promises of His Word this morning. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for your promises, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many thankful that you know the Lord remembers? Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, Savior. Thank you, Brother Marks, for the word, Brother Parks, for the word of the Lord. And uh, so thankful for the precious Spirit of God that we can feel in the house of the Lord today. Remember, church, tonight, let's come back praying, expecting and believing the Lord for a great move of the Holy Ghost tonight. And um, remember, choir practice tonight at uh, 5.15, and then prayer starts at at 6.30. And uh, let's come praying, expecting and believing the Lord for a great move of God tonight. Bring somebody with you to the house of the Lord tonight. Call somebody on the phone. Invite someone to church. Lord bless you. You can be dismissed in Jesus' name.